Okay, good morning everyone. Good to see your bright, happy, shiny faces today. Uh, this, for those of you with children, know it full well, this is fall break season. So that's why we're missing some of our families and kids uh, who are off traveling and taking uh, much-needed respite and uh, time away. Uh, Zionsville is off now this week, as is our uh, Lutheran school here at Advent. Um, we will still have Wednesday night, however, we will still have uh, Vespers prayer service at 6.30, and we will still have confirmation classes for those that, that are available to come. Our membership draws... 25% from Carmel, 25% from Zionsville, and the remaining 50% is everywhere, <laughs> okay? Um, so it's kind of difficult to have kind of, you know, an Advent church or, uh, uh, you know, school catechism kind of fall break, so uh, we have everything up online for those that need it. So still classes on Wednesday, still Bible class uh, Wednesday morning as well, if you'd like to join us for that. Uh, please note, uh, because this is fall break, uh, we as uh, pastors and teachers try and take a few days off. Um, I will actually be up in Michigan tomorrow. We're going to leave this afternoon making a college visit with one of our sons and should return late tomorrow afternoon, hopefully in time for council meeting. And then my wife and I are going to get away to go look at leaves and just actually spend some time around each other. Isn't that amazing? Um, because we don't really see much of each other, so we're gonna we, we normally take a day or two days, so we just have an overnight. So I'll be gone Thursday, Friday. So if you need anything, uh, Tuesday or Wednesday are uh, the good days uh, to uh, uh, call us or come in. Church office will be open normal hours, but uh, that's what's going on. Okay. Um, can't think of anything else. Uh, you'll notice in the bulletin we did add in a brief calendar. I think it's on the third page of the bulletin, and we're going to do that each week just to keep you informed of upcoming activities and what's going on. Um, all that stuff is on the website, and keep in mind the way that we have been keeping the congregation informed is through the emails on Friday. So if you don't read those um, <laughs> and you miss something, uh, just make sure you follow that. Uh, we have not decided yet whether to restart the newsletter all the information we would normally have in the newsletter has been in the Friday emails. Um, however, we are at the point where we have the majority of the congregation has been back on Sundays. And keep in mind, we don't mail out our newsletters. We just put them in your member mail boxes. So, um, you know, so we're, we're probably about 70 to 75% back as a congregation now. And uh, hopefully that'll continue. Hopefully the, you know, as Pastor Grady says, the thing that will not be named uh, dies down, goes away, or a vaccine is found and all that fun stuff, okay? Uh, remember as well, uh, crazy uh, times right now, especially with it being an election year, and um, find your comfort and your hope in Jesus Christ. And as we're going to learn here as we get into Daniel, uh, there is one kingdom, one kingdom that supersedes and is in charge of all other kingdoms. And as we're going to review today in our study of Daniel, we're going to see that very clearly and quite pointedly. And we're also going to see how certain leaders in this world deal with that truth uh, because uh, Nebuchadnezzar, a uh, very interesting fellow, okay? Any other questions or comments before we pray and get into our study for today? Okay. Um, I was going to have uh, sheets printed out for you, and my laptop yesterday would not work with our printer, and uh, when I came in this morning, it still wasn't working, so I'll have to 
find someone who knows something about computers and networking. So everything will just be up on the screen. You can uh, take notes on your own. So, Okay, let's get started. The Lord be with you. Let us pray. O God, because without you we are not able to please you, mercifully grant that your Holy Spirit may in all things direct and rule our hearts. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. I want to review the end of chapter 2 here of Daniel, and we're going to start at the 31st verse. And what I'm going to summarize for you just a little bit, we didn't have time last week to go into the uh, dream of King Nebuchadnezzar directly, uh, nor the interpretation of Daniel. We talked a little bit about it, and I think it's important enough that we need to review a few things. So just follow along. I'm going to read from 31 down through the end of chapter 2. So this is Daniel interpreting the dream for King Nebuchadnezzar. You saw, O king, and behold, a great image. This image, mighty and of exceeding brightness, stood before you, and its appearance was frightening. The head of this image was, was of fine gold, its chest and arms of silver, its middle and thighs of bronze, its legs of iron, its feet partly of iron and partly of clay. Now, before I go further, I want you to get the image in your head. So here we've got uh, an, an, an image. Sounds like an image of a, of a, of a man, correct? And this uh, image is exceeding brightness, exceedingly bright, Okay. Uh, just glowing. Now, let your mind make some connections through the rest of Scripture where we have a man that is exceedingly bright, the image of a man. Okay, That should probably make you think of a few things. The first place I went as I was kind of reading through this uh, the first time a couple weeks ago was the transfiguration of Jesus where he's revealed in all of his glory. Hang on to this image of a man that is exceedingly bright. When we get into our study of Revelation, we're going to have that echoed for us uh, there as well. Now note that this man, uh, this image, is divided now into uh, various uh, uh, metals uh, or, um, what's the word, uh, stuff. <laughs> That's the word, scientific. Uh, so we've got gold for the head, then we've got silver, then we've got bronze, and then we've got iron, and at the very bottom, we've got iron mixed with clay, which if you know anything about iron and clay, they don't really mix. But let me hold on to that till later. 34. As you looked, a stone was cut out by no human hand. So a stone that was quarried, that was cut out, not made by humans. Okay? Now just let your, let your mind roll the dice here through Scripture. That's probably not the best way to say it. Let your mind wander uh, through connecting Scripture. And it struck the image on its feet of iron and clay and broke them in pieces. Then the iron, the clay, the bronze, the silver, and the gold all together were broken in pieces and became like the chaff of the summer threshing floors, and the wind carried them all away. So if you were preschoolers, we'd have you do this with your hands, okay? So that not a trace of them could be found. But the stone that struck the image became a great mountain and filled the whole earth. Okay, are you tracking so far? So we've got this dazzling appearance and image. Okay, a stone that is not cut with human hands. And what does the stone do? The stone strikes the image. And what happens to the image? The image disintegrates. 
Oh, so maybe the image isn't a connection to Jesus. Maybe it's not transfiguration. Okay? I mean, this is what's fun about Bible study is as you're reading through a text, try and make some connections to things that sound similar, but always go where the text leads you. Okay? So I would say this image that we've seen made of different parts of metals and stuff is, is thus probably not Jesus. Okay? Um, or maybe it is. I mean, Jesus dies, right? You see, okay, just, just hold on. We'll keep going here. I like, I like to get you to think, okay? Now, this was the dream. Now we tell the king its interpretation. You, O king, the king of kings, to whom the God of heaven has given the kingdom, the power, the might, and the glory, and into whose hand he has given, wherever they dwell, the children of man, the beasts of the field, and the birds of the heavens, making you rule over them all, you are the head of gold. So now here's the interpretation. Now, what does Daniel mention first when he interprets it? He gives honor to Nebuchadnezzar, who is an earthly ruler. You, O king, the king of kings. But then where does this earthly king's power and authority come from? The God of heaven. So Daniel goes right to the source, acknowledges the God of heaven has given you this kingdom. You, O king, king haven't... You haven't built this yourself, okay? The, the one true God has given you this. He's given you the power, the might, and the glory, and into whose hand he has given wherever they dwell. Who, what, what else has God, the God of heaven, the one true God, given King Nebuchadnezzar? Humans, citizens, beasts of the field, right? Possessions, birds of the heavens, making you rule over them all. You are the head of gold. So King Nebuchadnezzar now is, is the head of gold, okay? And I don't know if this is going to show up on the board very well, okay? So we've got at the very top here, let's just put gold, okay? Uh, that is rep uh, representing now, we would say very clearly, the Babylonian Empire under King Nebuchadnezzar. Fair? Anybody debate that? Okay? Um, it says it right in the text, you are the head of gold, Okay. Another kingdom, 39, uh, verse 39, inferior to you shall arise after you. And what, uh, what, uh, what is that? Silver. Okay, let's just go down the list here. Then what? Bronze. Then what? Iron. Okay, and then what? Iron and clay, correct? So I'll just put ampersand here and... Eh, my marker's not good. You can't see that. You can jot it for yourself, okay? So we've got gold, which we know represents Babylon. Now, there's a lot of ink that's been spilled. I was going through a couple of commentaries this last week, and the scholars and the academics are all over the place with trying to figure out which kingdoms represent the silver, the bronze, and then the iron and the clay, okay? Now, I'm going to try and summarize it for you, and if you're one of those people that likes to read big, thick books that put most people to sleep at night, you can email and debate with me, okay? And that's okay. So, we've got the Babylonian kingdom, okay? To the silvers, most scholars will say Persians, okay? Um, for the uh, bronze, we would say Greeks. For the iron, take a wild guess. Very good. Rome, Okay? Now, Rome, we know, became a very vast empire. Uh, mixed with clay would symbolize that Rome, especially as a kingdom, was made up of mostly Romans? No, not at all. 
lots of different cultures, okay? I mean, fast forward if you want to, you know, the sun never sets on the British Empire, that sort of thing, okay? Um, and, uh, and, of course, we know that those... Now, all of these empires, what happened to every single one of them? Are any of them standing still today? Scattered like the wind, like the dust. Matter of fact, archaeology, and if you're into history and stuff, you know, they're still uncovering things, trying to piece things together. Um, but all of these empires, okay, regardless of what empire you're going to assign, and Scripture doesn't go into detail, it starts with the Babylonians. But then, of course, when we get to, to, to iron, and especially New Testament, that would, you know, tidy things up nicely, okay? So all of these now uh, are gone as was prophesied through the dream, okay? Any questions before I read on? Okay. Um, shall be a fourth kingdom strong as iron. Like iron that crushes, it shall break and crush all these. So each one of these is basically going to take the place of the one that has come before, okay? Which, to be fair, is what we've seen in, in human history, Okay. Uh, and, and for our own, um, our own country, United States of America, I certainly would pray that it will last a long time. But what do we know from history? No worldly government empire has ever lasted, you know, certainly forever. Okay? So always keep that in mind. All right? Now, let, me, let me finish the reading, and then we'll, we'll try and draw some string around this present. As you saw, verse 41, the feet and toes... Partly of potter's clay and partly of iron, it shall be a divided kingdom, but some of the firmness of iron shall be in it, just as you saw iron mixed with the soft clay. And as the toes of the feet were partly iron and partly clay, so the kingdom shall be partly strong and partly brittle. And if you've studied and know any of your Roman history and walk through all of the Caesars and <laughs> all that, you start to understand a little bit of this. As you saw the iron mixed with soft clay, so they will mix with one another in marriage but they will not hold together, just as iron does not mix with clay. In the days of those kings, so now there's a plural reference to kings, to these various empires, uh, the God of heavens will set up a kingdom that shall never be destroyed, nor shall the kingdom be left to another people. It shall break in places all these kingdoms and bring them to an end, and it shall stand forever. And now pay attention to this reference. Just as you saw that a stone was cut from a mountain by no human hand, and that it broke in pieces the iron, the bronze, the clay, the silver, and the gold. A great God has made known to the king what shall be after this. The dream is certain, and its interpretation sure. Okay? So gold, Babylon, uh, emphasis upon the power and glory that belong to Babylon, not of Nebuchadnezzar or from Nebuchadnezzar, but rather God's power and glory that he now has given on this earth, even to Nebuchadnezzar. So does God give uh, power and glory in this life even to unbelievers? Yes, he does. Okay? Um, you've got uh, the, the silver, then the bronze, then the Greeks. Okay? Now, in the midst of all this, there's a stone. And I want you to take us to 1 Peter 2, verses 4 to 5. 1 Peter 2, 4 to 5. You look on the screen or open up in your Bibles. Because this reference now to a stone um, that uh, supersedes all the others is quite clear in the New Testament, okay? Uh, and let's, uh, let's read it together. As you come to him, a living stone rejected by men, 
but in the sight of God, chosen and precious, you yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Who is the living stone? Jesus. Jesus is the living stone, okay? Rejected by men, but in the sight of God, chosen and precious. And now you, do you know what Christian means? Little Christs, okay? Uh, So you are little stones, (laughs) little rocks. So if your wife ever says you're stubborn, say, yeah, I'm a Christian, I'm a rock. See how far that gets you. Probably not very far, okay? Uh, Are being built up as a spiritual house. So now there's this, this concept of fellowship, of community, not individuality, which is what our culture teaches, okay? Um, individuality, not understandable in Scripture. It's all about fellowship. And even more than that, you're built as a spiritual house, not necessarily a physical one, to be a holy priesthood. Thus, we understand that all of us, are you ready for this, are priests. Did you know that? Now, the priesthood as we know it from the Old Testament, that's been fulfilled and done away with by Jesus. Okay? Early service people make the connection. What are the holy works you do as priests now in this life? You love your neighbor. You love God and love your neighbor. You live in your vocation. So God has created you uh, this uh, faith, saved by grace through faith. For what reason? To do good works that God has created even in advance for you to do. Okay? All right? Um, To offer spiritual sacrifices through Jesus Christ. Okay? Uh, Go on down just a little bit because this this is a... Uh, 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 obviously a great passage here. For it stands in Scripture, read it with me. Behold, I am laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone chosen and precious, and whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. Okay? Uh, let's go as well to uh, Luke 20, 17 to 18. And we hear just a little bit more about this stone. Uh, this uh, text also occurs in Matthew 21, 42 to 44. Uh, so let's read Luke 20, 17 to 18. Here we go. But Jesus looked directly at them and said, What then is this that is written, The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. Everyone who falls on that stone will be broken to pieces. And when it falls on anyone, it will crush him. Okay? Daniel's interpretation by the power of the Holy Spirit is simply marvelous in terms of teaching us law and gospel, in terms of its Christocentrism, its pointing forward to Christ and revealing now who this stone is going to be. Okay? So ultimately, what we are, are learning about is that this stone, we're learning of the kingdom of God the kingdom of the Most High God that surpasses all earthly kingdoms. This is the interpretation given to Nebuchadnezzar. And if he truly listens to the interpretation, he would say, okay, yeah, so I'm the gold head, but what's the rest of the dream? I'm going to be smashed to pieces. Therefore, I should do what? I should humble myself before the Most High God. I should repent of my selfishness. Okay. King Nebuchadnezzar was a polytheist. He worshipped a lot of different gods. Whereas Daniel, Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were 
monotheists. They worshipped one God, the one true God, Lord and Father of all. Okay? Um, so uh, let's go, let's look at Daniel. Let's jump down just a little bit to Daniel 2, verse 44. So in the days of those kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom that shall never be destroyed, nor will the kingdom be left to another people. Okay? Um, so now after uh, Nebuchadnezzar receives this interpretation from Daniel, um, and let's uh, move to 46, he gives Daniel three titles. Okay? So it's interesting because Nebuchadnezzar's focus is placed where? On the stone? On the Most High God who has given him power and glory and dominion? No, Nebuchadnezzar looks at who? Looks at Daniel. And so there's some confusion there, okay? Um, And you need to be careful, you know, lest you look at any of your elected officials, your pastors, your boss, your husband or your wife, okay, uh, in a way that sets them up higher than what God would give them, okay? Should you respect authority? Absolutely. Honor positions? Absolutely, okay? And I told you the story before. I had a, had a, had a young man many years ago, and um, he was uh, very good at being a a follower. He was one of the best kids on the ball teams because he just did whatever the coach said, right? Uh, but he looked up to whoever his coach was. His coach, uh, whoever uh, he or she was, was just the bee's knees, right? Uh, and just just the, the 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 perfect, you know, all of that. In some sense, you could say this kid idolized his coaches. Well, uh, this uh, this this person had uh, had one coach that uh, he really idolized above all others. And, and guess what this man as a coach did? Something bad. Something publicly bad. And there was a fall from grace to the point that this particular coach would never and will never ever be a coach again. And this young man comes and sits in my office and he's just bawling his eyes out because he can't understand how someone who was so good in his eyes, how did he get it wrong? And he said, I, I can never trust another person again, or person in authority. And I said, well, I said, maybe you, what? What I try and help him understand? Maybe you looked up too much to this person and failed to recognize that what? All of us are sinners. Absolutely. And so be careful with that, okay? Uh, be careful with that, okay? So let's go on, verse 46. King Nebuchadnezzar fell upon his face, paid homage to Daniel. Fell upon his face. Literally, the, the, the word here in Hebrew also translates, and this, this, of course, is in Aramaic here, okay? So the Chaldeans, by the way, when you see that name, the Chaldeans was uh, another country, a smaller empire around the 10th century BC. Uh, they were later conquered by the Babylonians. Uh, the Chaldeans were renowned for their um, magic, their science, their arts. So we kind of trace, you know, the wise men even further back to them. All right, um, and so in Aramaic here, this fall upon the face uh, literally is to prostrate yourself. So to worship first and foremost means now to bow down between someone who is worthy of your honor, 
And of course, prostrating yourself and bowing down, what are you doing? Any Highlander fans out there? You're offering your what? You can't see me on video probably. You're offering your head. You're offering your head. You're taking your eyes off of someone else and you are completely entrusting your very life into their hands. That's part of where we get the tradition and worship of bowing. Because when you bow, you take your eyes off of everything, don't you? And you trust that one who is higher than you can do with you whatever he wants to do. But you trust. Okay? So that's, that, that's, that's a little bit of an understanding there. So this is what Nebuchadnezzar does to the Most High God? No. To Daniel. Okay? Fell upon his face and paid homage to Daniel and commanded that an offering and incense be offered up to him. Sound like church? <laughs> yeah. Incense represents prayers. Okay? Uh, the the good, good smelling aroma of the grace and favor of someone who's more powerful than you. The king answered and said to Daniel, Truly, now his words say some good things, Your God is God of gods and Lord of kings and a revealer of mysteries, for you have been able to reveal this mystery. Then the king gave Daniel high honors and many great gifts and made him ruler over the whole province of Babylon and chief prefect over all the wise men of Babylon. Prior to this, Daniel was just one of the wise men. Okay. Daniel made a request of the king, and he appointed Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego over the affairs of the province of Babylon, but Daniel remained at the king's court. So Daniel is now in the inner circle of King Nebuchadnezzar. He's closest advisor. He's right there with him. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are not in the king's court. They're, if you will, kind of like governors of states. Okay, And they might get together every now and then to meet with you know, uh, the big wigs, uh, but they're out and about. Yes, ma'am. Do I think it was sinful of Daniel to accept those gifts? Well, I don't know how you really would, I mean, I guess accept worship or someone's actions towards you. I mean, the gifts still, I mean, Daniel is a subject here, Right? So he's a subject that God has placed uh, in, in, this, uh, in this place to receive these gifts uh, from this king. Okay? Now we're going to learn more about Daniel here later on. So I would say no, it was not sinful of Daniel to receive that which his king would bestow upon him. By receiving these gifts does not necessarily mean that Daniel would agree with the faith or the understanding of the king. Correct. Anybody want to take on my wife? <laughs> you raise a valid point. Yeah, go ahead. Right. I think I would, I would say this. Daniel is not in a position to say such a thing to the king, okay? Daniel is a subject. Um, he believes that uh, uh, God has placed him there, and he's going to follow, you know, the rules as long as they don't conflict with the faith. And I, I, and I think if I understand your point, that's what you're saying, is that by Daniel not stepping up and saying something at this point, 
that that would be a um, that would be in conflict with his faith. Okay, I've got another comment over here. I, th- I think Daniel did the best he could do in a difficult situation. Is what I would say. Uh, okay, I got another hand or, uh, behind you first. She had her hand up before you, and then I'll get to you. Go ahead. I'm glad you brought up Joseph. The early church fathers draw a lot of connections between Joseph and the Pharaoh and Daniel and Nebuchadnezzar. A lot of a lot of connections there. And so I think that's worthy if you want to do some additional study. Review Joseph. So here's Joseph again, and we just had this Bible story with our, our school kids for chapel here the last week or two. You know, his brothers are jealous. His dad has given him a beautiful coat, which is all about the righteousness of Jesus, by the way. It also signifies that Joseph is is really a prophet. That's what Luther would have maintained. And so his dad is honoring the fact that Joseph is unique from his brothers because Joseph is now one who has been called to speak the word of God. So the coat symbolizes baptism. It symbolizes the anointing of one who is called to speak. Okay. Regardless, we know that parents give children different gifts. Correct? No gifts are the same. Have you ever tried that? Try that at Christmas, just giving every one of your kids the exact same gift and do that for their birthdays, and do that for three or four years in a row and see how well that works out for you. Correct me if I'm wrong, right? So Joseph gets a very special gift. His, his brothers get jealous. Long story short, they throw him into a pit, throw him into a pit, take the coat, put some blood on it from animal, take it back to Jacob and say, son's dead, dad. Sorry, he got killed by a wild beast. Okay? Some traders come along, provided by God, I would say. They sell Joseph into slavery. He ends up in Egypt. So now he's in a country that he has been taken against his will, just like Daniel. But how does Joseph act there? Does he write lots of letters? I'm innocent. I demand my freedom. He lives under the rule of law that's in that place. He honors the authorities. And the Lord builds him up for a place where he now interprets Pharaoh's dreams, correct? And seven good years, seven bad years, food gets put aside, there's a famine in the land, and guess who comes knocking at Pharaoh's door? His brothers begging for what? For food, okay? And then, of course, Joseph, that which you intended for evil, God meant about for good, and there's a reunion there, uh, and that's ultimately how God's people ended up now they, they bring them uh, to Egypt, okay? This is all prior to Moses. Yes, ma'am. Yeah, I, th- I think that's, that's a completely uh, a fair and appropriate explanation that even though the king, who is the big kahuna, right? I mean, he's the, the big enchilada, the whole can of worms, the ball of wax. He's the big guy, and he's, he's doing all this now. And Daniel's in a place where he can't really stop the king from doing this. Just like I would imagine each of you have probably had somebody who honored or gave you a gift that you really didn't like, okay? And I could tell you a story about a very crass gift that was given to my mom by a crazy uncle that embarrassed the you-know-what out of her, and it really wasn't appropriate. But what did my mom say when she received the gift? Thank you. (laughs) And then proceeded as soon as this dear old uncle left to throw it in the trash, okay? So... You know, I mean, so if you're, yeah, 
you know, I mean, in, in your heart and, and what's believed there. Okay, any other comments on that? I don't want to spend too much time on it. Um, I mean, Daniel's in a hard place, but I think, again, the main thing to understand, Daniel understands his position, okay? And he knows that he has not been given power and authority over this king. And so he doesn't assume that, you know, to, to correct the king in this juncture, God's given the opportunity now to interpret through the dreams. And perhaps, I mean, I doubt Daniel knows it at the time, but God is obviously going to use Daniel in amazing ways down the road, okay? And we're going to get to that really quick, okay, which is very interesting because this whole thing turns so suddenly at the beginning of chapter 3, okay? Let's finish up here. The king answered, said to Daniel, truly your God is God of gods, Lord of kings, a revealer of mysteries. Then the king gave Daniel high honors, many great gifts, made him ruler. Daniel made a request. So one, you know, Daniel makes one request of the king, and that's to take his other three faithful brothers, probably not blood brothers, fellow believers, and have them in positions of authority. Now we get to chapter 3, which is very, very interesting. So the king has clearly been informed what this dream is about. What happens to the golden head? What happens to the image? Right? Like a fist bump. Do you do exploding fist bumps? Right? So now look at what, look at what Nebuchadnezzar does. You ready? Chapter 3. King Nebuchadnezzar made an image of gold. <laughs> what? This guy, I mean, you know, for someone who's so high up, you'd think he'd, he'd, he would think a little bit about putting this together, um, but, but he doesn't. So he makes an image of gold whose height was 60 cubits and its breadth 6 cubits. Okay? Uh, so this is roughly, oh, where do I have on my notes here? Um, this is about 90 feet tall, roughly, okay? Uh, statutes like this, what are you laughing at? Oh, what did he put up there? Okay. So the gold statutes, about 90 feet tall. Um, you know, we have a number of references if you study just, not just archaeology, but world history, ancient civ, uh, civilization. Uh, the Colossus of Rhodes is 110 feet the Egyptian Sphinx at uh, Giza, you know how tall that is roughly? 240 feet, okay? So not uncommon in the ancient times or times that are similar here to when this has taken place to having some sort of an idol image uh, erected, okay? And so that's what Nebuchadnezzar does. He set it up on the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. Then King Nebuchadnezzar sent to gather... And here's all the fun words from Sunday school. You remember these? The satraps, the prefects, and the governors, the counselors, the treasurers, the justices, the magistrates, and all the officials of the provinces to come to the dedication of the image that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. He invited the whole swamp. That's an easy way to tell you. They're all there. Okay? Maybe I shouldn't have said it that way. I'm sorry. Okay? Uh, they're all there. Okay? Then the satraps, the prefects, and the governors, the counselors, the treasurers, the justices, the magistrates, and all the officials of the provinces gathered for the dedication of the image that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. And they stood before the image that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up, and the herald proclaimed aloud. Okay? Before I read this, who sets up the image? King Nebuchadnezzar. Okay? Um, who does he command to come before the image? Okay, the leaders. Okay, so th this is not like the general population. So he is calling one big staff meeting. 
probably the easiest way to understand it. He's calling together the heads of all of his various divisions, um, and it starts with them. Okay? So we, we, we see a little bit of a leadership corporate structure in place here in Babylon, okay, of how things are run. Okay, and the herald proclaimed aloud, You are commanded, O peoples, nations, and languages, that when you hear the sound of the horn, pipe, lyre, trigon, harp, bagpipe, and every kind of music, you are to fall down and worship the golden image that King Nebuchadnezzar has set up. What happened to the golden image from the dream? Was that not clear? Did Nebuchadnezzar get this? I don't think he did. And whoever does not fall down and worship shall immediately be cast into a burning, fiery furnace. Now, the casting into a fiery furnace, um, not uncommon. Jeremiah mentions this in uh, Jeremiah 29, uh, verse 22, uh, that Nebuchadnezzar and other leaders as punishment would cast those who had done wrong into a fiery furnace. Now, most of these furnaces that were big enough to throw a man into were either for uh, bricks, so it was a, a brick furnace, firing of bricks. Uh, we actually, where we came from in Hastings, Nebraska, uh, there was a place called Brickyard Park. You know why it was called Brickyard? They made bricks there. Matter of fact, it had the best sledding hill. Do you know why it had a hill in the southern plains of Nebraska? Because they dug out all the stuff for the bricks. Literally, it's like a big bowl, okay? Uh, and then kind of up on top of the hill uh, is, a, is a gigantic, tall chimney, okay? Um, and then they would have small little narrow-gauge rail cars that would go in and out pulling the bricks. And they had, I think, four entrances maybe into the center of the kiln, okay? Um, so we've excavated some of these kilns, actually. So you can research some of this if you want, okay? They tended to be rounded or domed. They would have an opening at the top, and they would have another opening at the bottom, okay? The material, the bricks um, or the metals, would normally be put in from the top, and then the product would be removed from the bottom. And some of them they've uncovered have been plenty large enough to have three, four, five, six people be inside of, okay? So this is not fictional, first of all. I want you to understand that history supports this, okay? We believe it because God has written it down for us, but it's interesting to have some of those facts, okay? And so that was very common uh, to take uh, the bodies and to have them literally burned, cremated, reduced to ashes, okay, in the fire. Therefore, as soon as all the people heard the sound, verse 7, of the horn, pipe, lyre, trigon, harp, bagpipe, and every kind of music... All the peoples, nations, and languages fell down and worshipped the golden image that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Okay? Now, if you go back just to the beginning, okay? so he sent to gather the satraps, prefects, justices, all the officials. So this is the dedication of the temple itself. But at the same time, what there appears to be, and of course they didn't have uh, smartphones or email or the ability to televise stuff, okay? Uh, What we think is that uh, throughout the whole country, music and wherever the music was, people would hear it, and so it would be passed down. So think kind of town to town or village to village. You'd hear a horn play or something play. Oh, that's the signal, and then the next one would play, and it would go all the way around. That's how they would kind of communicate now through music. What? 
that there was a golden image, but the only people that were able to be there literally at the image sounds like were these inner circle, okay? Um, but everybody else was going to be aware of it, okay? And they all to bow down, okay, and worship the golden image that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Okay, questions before I move on? Yeah. We don't know. It doesn't go into great detail. We know it's made of gold, um, which may not have been solid gold. It may have been an overlay as well. Um, you know, the whole 90 feet, the scholars, to be honest, I think I fell asleep at some point reading a couple of <laughs> long-winded articles about, you know, maybe the pedestal was 30 or 40 feet high, and the, maybe the statue wasn't as big as what they think it was. Um, we, we don't know. Don't know. Any other questions? Okay. Um, so, therefore, at that time, certain, uh, now here's the, here's the Chaldeans again, okay, came forward and maliciously accused the Jews. They declared to King Nebuchadnezzar, O king, live forever. You, O king, have made a decree that every man who hears the sound of the horn, and now this is the third time we're hearing this, right? So, anytime you hear something repeated in Scripture, it's there for a reason. Okay, repetition is a big deal in Scripture. Okay, every time you hear the sound of the horn, pipe, lyre, trigon, harp, bagpipe, and every kind of music, uh, they shall fall down and worship the golden image. And whoever does not fall down and worship shall be cast into a burning, fiery furnace. There are certain Jews whom you have appointed over the affairs of the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Okay, now it's interesting here is they use their Babylonian names, not their... Hebrew Jewish names, but that's probably what they would, they would have been known by their Babylonian names in Babylon, okay? These men, O king, pay no attention to you. They do not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. And now, let's see how Nebuchadnezzar deals with this. Then Nebuchadnezzar, in furious rage, this is the second time we hear of Nebuchadnezzar flying into a rage. When was the first time that we heard of Nebuchadnezzar flying into a rage? when no one could interpret his dream, right? And he, he plays the whole, uh, you know, off with their heads, Alice in Wonderland, you know, uh, queen issues here, okay? Uh, Nebuchadnezzar, in a furious rage, commanded that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be brought. So they brought these men before the king. Nebuchadnezzar answered and said to them, Is it true, O Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my God. So here's our first, I mean, as if building the golden image wasn't enough for us. Okay, now we see his polytheism, my gods, or worship the golden image that I have set up. Now, if you are ready when you hear the sound of the horn, parp, lyre, trigon, harp, bagpipe, and every kind of music, that's now the fourth time we've heard that. Okay, so emphasis upon the music, upon the signal. Okay. That something heard is supposed to elicit a response. Just hang on to that. To fall down and worship the image that I have made well and good. Okay. Does Nebuchadnezzar throw him into the fiery furnace right away? No. Do you think he would have probably for lesser people? Probably. Okay. But these guys are special because they've also been singled out by Daniel, who alone was able to interpret the dream, who is now the chief prefect. Okay. So... King Nebuchadnezzar is smart, okay? Um, and so he gives him a second chance. If you do not worship, you shall immediately be cast into a burning, fiery furnace. And who is the God who will deliver you out of my hands? Wow. 
Who is the God that will deliver you out of my hand? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, and pay attention to this, what a great confession of faith. O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this manner. Wow. Okay? So you want to talk about conscience or faith now stepping up. Okay? Uh, If this be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. But if not, be it known to you, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. Then Nebuchadnezzar now for the third time was filled with fury, and the expression of his face was changed against Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Okay? Remember when mom or dad would get mad at you? Their face change? Oh, yeah. And you knew it, right? My grandma had a look that she would give in church. I mean, she was the nice lady in church, always wore a hat, always dressed up. She always had uh, either Tic Tac mints in her purse that she would pass out to us, okay, or lifesavers. But if you were misbehaving, you got the look. And if you got the look, it was check the pew to see if you just peed, okay, because you did not want to get taken out by grandma, okay. She was worse than my mom or dad. Yes, Well, we're going to get to Daniel here a little later, okay? Um, This is the first thing that comes up. Now, keep in mind the Chaldeans, they they are kind of the original wise men. um, And, you know, these these Hebrews that have just showed up on the scene now all of a sudden, you know, went from stocking the shelves, right, at the local Walmart to now being in charge of every single one in the region or the state. Right? So all of a sudden, they got elevated without putting in the work, the time, the experience. How does that feel when someone jumps ahead of you in seniority at work for no reason? Ever happened to you? I would imagine it probably has. So they are looking for every little thing for these guys. And so this is the first thing that is recorded for us that comes to, comes to term. So, okay. Uh, let's go on. We've got, I've got just a minute or two, and I want to I get through this here real quick. So he's filled with fury. The face, expression of his face was changed. He ordered the furnace heated seven times more than it was usually heated. That's pretty hot, folks. This is a furnace that not just fires bricks, but it melts metal, smelter. And he ordered some of the mighty men of his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And the mighty men is not, not just um, men. The, the translation here from Aramaic is not the best. This isn't just strong. Um, these are men who probably are going to go to their death because the furnace is so hot, so hot. These are men who are willing to die for their king, meaning they'll do whatever their king says to do. Okay? So they bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, cast them into the burning, fiery furnace. Then these men were bound in their cloaks, their tunics, their hats, and their other garments, and they were thrown into the burning, fiery furnace. Because the king's order was urgent and the furnace overheated, the flame of the fire killed those men who took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell, okay, so the Aramaic here uh, in Hebrew as well as our English, it's downward, so they're, they're put from the top of the, the furnace, the hole, into the burning fiery furnace, okay? So not only do you have the fire that's going on, <laughs> there was probably a drop, <laughs> okay? Uh, uh, you know, they're, they're dropped into it. Then King Nebuchadnezzar was astonished and rose up in haste. He declared to his counselors, and we're going to have to save some of this for next week, Did we not cast three men bound into the fire? They answered and said to the king, True, O king. He answered and said, But I see 
four men, unbound, walking in the midst of the fire, and they are not hurt. And the appearance of the fourth is like a son of the gods. Okay? Now, we're going to stop there for today because we're out of time. I hate to stop at this juncture, but we're going to pick that up next week. Okay? So you've got Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego bound into a furnace made for firing bricks and melting metal seven times hotter. Do the math. And they're now alive walking around, but they're not alone. They're not alone. And neither are you. Let's stand and close with prayer. Lord, remember us in your kingdom and teach us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Peace be with you. Amen.